So the Dharma talk of this evening is titled Addiction, Awareness, Meditation, Talk Number Two. I've actually given a lot of talks on dealing with addictions or that what's commonly referred to, commonly referred to as addictions, how to use awareness practice to help us see more clearly the way uh, that kind of repetitive uh, grasping behavior or pushing away behavior, however you want to characterize it, shows up and how to use, besides all the other things that are available, cognitive, uh, behavioral therapy, moral inventory, um, and countless other ways of doing it that I'm not knowledgeable about. But what I am uh, knowledgeable about is the foundation of the consciousness that is addicted. And the way in which we work with that quite often in in modern medicine and so on is to try to snuff it out or do away with it or stop it or stop its effects. Control, 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 control. Usually. I'm not saying everyone's doing it. And I I, uh, I couldn't remember this, so I wrote it on a card. In the American Society of Addiction Medicine, which uh, I'm not sure what their membership is, but basically you have to be some kind of a a professional to belong to this. Addiction is a treatable chronic medical disease involving complex interactions among brain circuits, genetics, environment, and life experience. People who use substances or engage in behaviors that become compulsive in spite of harm to oneself and or others and so sure that's true and there's of course the one we all know about are the 12-step programs which show up in different ways through uh uh narcotics anonymous alcoholics anonymous and uh so on Helenon. and so having spent a lot of time teaching in a facility that talks about recovery i'm not sure that if you can uh fundamentally recover maybe but what seems to be missing in a lot of the approaches, even though they have all kinds of science and all kinds of uh, proof or examples or whatever, however you want to say it, still the the, the is on uh, Wikipedia continues to increase. I think it was maybe 10 years ago, there were 75 and now there's 150, I don't know, maybe even more than that. It just means that people are always coming up with some way of dealing with everything. And usually it is above the surface of the fundamental nature of consciousness. Fundamental nature of consciousness, you can't manipulate that because there is no manipulator. The manipulators are the self-centeredness, the ego mind, even if it's trying to do good. Even if someone is uh, Harry Truman, well, you probably wouldn't know. Even if somebody is trying very hard to make life better for others, still... If it's coming out of a self-centered or uh, unexplored sense of um, privilege, in other words, I know and they don't, if, if, if that has not been examined, then I'm not saying there won't be some relative good happening, but the, the spinning part or the uh, back in the dark, the part that is not being seen is actually unwinding the very thing that you're winding up. Just a way of talking about it. It seems to be necessary beside maybe you're using a, particular approach, maybe it's a 12-step program, or maybe it's uh, other kinds of counseling, um, sitting in a group and discussing what's going on, talking to a, a counselor, maybe that will work. Maybe that will help you uh, back away from or not be at the mercy of your compulsions, to put it literally. But so much of what is behind the, the simple thing of that person is addicted, or I am an, I can't stay away from this. I keep going through this. I keep trying to do this. 
because I'm sure we've noticed any of you have who have some of those, and there probably isn't a person in this room, including uh, yours truly, who doesn't have some kind of addictive behavior going on, some kind of, some kind of, uh, can't quite stop doing that, or that may happen on lots of different levels. One of the levels that happens on is addictive thinking, and you may say, I may say, anybody may say, well, what's wrong with thinking about stuff as long as you don't do it? Okay, maybe that'll work. But that circularity of wanting this and not wanting that, wanting this but not wanting that, this kind of little tiny skirmishes in the consciousness that are usually submerged uh, in such a way that that we can't really see the discrepancy in the way those build up some kind of evidence that makes the ego mind or the self-centered mind think that that's true. You'll notice, I'm sure you'll notice that Sometimes when something comes up in your mind, you immediately decide whether it's true or not, or if something happens, if it's true or not, or if it's valid or not valid, or if it's valuable or not valuable. <clears throat> it's like the two types of awe. Sometimes hard to tell them apart. You know the two types of awe? Awful and awesome. You didn't know that. That was going to be the top title, but that's too corny. I'll save that for Disney World. So this the particular association that I mentioned, I'm sure American Society of Addiction Medicine, I think they only came up with that title a few years ago. People still are, kind of have issues about the word addiction. I think it probably works pretty good, but I'm willing to change if somebody can point out something about it or another kind of word that would be more helpful, that would cover everyone that's in that kind of compulsive grasping, compulsive rejecting, compulsive shutting down those modes. It's interesting that when someone gets on to something, they kind of tend to shut out everything else because they think that their way is the only way. They might not proclaim that, but that will be hidden in their uh, descriptions more than likely. So the intention here to encourage someone to train their mind, uh, if they're having any kind of uh, di uh, difficulty with anything, just the addictive, uh, the uh, addiction to negative thinking, that things negative uh you can even say that depression is a form of addiction because we, what do we do with it? We fight with it. We try to stop it, try to stop it. And you, you could take it the other way around and say, one of the ways to stop your uh, discontent, your negative feelings, your existential. Drink. Anybody ever drank? Yeah. It's kind of nice. About three hours, I think does it three or four hours. And after that it goes down or gets, or, or else you get difficult You give other people problems but it, it's it's a cover-up some people are able to do that just by manipulating their thinking process and and continue continue to go after or rethink and rethink and rethink thinking about thinking about thinking about thinking about. thoughts arise spontaneously out of causes and conditions that are beyond our say so and we immediately have a little bit of say so so what do we do we sprinkle our our thoughts about that that shouldn't be that should be well the reason that's happening is because of those guys how often do you do that? When something comes up that's negative, immediately we look for blame. That's an addiction. I mean, it's not the kind of addiction where somebody is uh, is so far lost that they're about to kill themselves. They're about to do destructive behavior that they're so blind to that they they don't realize it. I mean, if you talk to them when they're not using something, they seem to make sense. They, they realize this is a mess. They realize they need to do something about it. But uh, three days later, they're dead. And I'm, I'm not making that up. That's something I've seen from working with uh, people who have addictions. 
And there's nothing you can do about it. You can't, the person has to do it themselves. So sitting practice of meditation, this is outside of Buddhism. You can, you can be a Buddhist or not, but you could train your mind to see clearly so that when you, when you work with the addiction, instead of trying to fix it or stop it or smother it or call it, control it, control it or put uh, uh, tentacles onto it so you can control it uh, or make it stop or make it go somewhere else. Uh, you could just you could just you could just see deeply what it is, and the way you see deeply what it is is you look into your mind, sitting practice of meditation, sit down, hold still, just observe. In the uh, Japanese Zen tradition, this is called shikantaza, or just pre- precisely this, and you have to do hours and hours and hours of it, weeks, months. It's probably not going to work to do a few hours a week, but maybe, maybe that would be better than doing nothing at all. So it's a, it is about becoming aware of the addiction, not stopping it, not recovering from it, not doing, stay out of the conceptual area and stay with just how it feels, just how it feels, just how that feels, just, just the feeling of it, just the feeling all through your body, all through how this feels, how this looks, how this smells, how you, how this sounds, how this feels, how this thinks. When I say how, it's just it's just that. There isn't anything about it that is special. It will have its own specialty. It will be a blue wall, a red wall. It'll be a, a, a cardinal or a parakeet. It'll be a sound, a difference in sound, different difference in quality. But by watching that, by seeing that, by sitting down, holding still, and watch what's happening uh, out in your kitchen when you're in, the, in your meditation room or your bedroom, and your kids or your relatives or your mate or or your dog, for that matter, is making another noise, watch that, please. Because that's where that awareness that is watching that movement without adding to it, without subtracting from it, and that's where the the exercise comes in. You watch what moves, and you don't make a comment on it. You watch what comes back, and you make no comment. It's called mind training. And it is at it starts out on the surface of consciousness where all of the thoughts are clamoring for attention, recognition, validation, prognostication, and all the other agents. Just by watching that come and go and come and go and come and go, the, the, that part of the, of, the, of the consciousness that we don't realize its nature because it's so bonded to the thought process of right and wrong, up and down, back and forth. Everyone in here, more than likely, not accusing you of anything, is probably laminated to some aspect of your thinking process in a slightly different way than the other person is. Some people are, have a great deal of difficulty with jealousy. Other people don't. They think, fine. They don't feel challenged. But they might have an extreme, uh, a, a lot of difficulty with intense negative feelings that they, that they attribute to their own mind. So sitting practice of meditation Along with maybe maybe it's a twelve step program, maybe not. I don't necessarily re- recommend anything, but I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree. Also, if someone wanted to take Prozac and meditate, I have have I have I have students right now that take different kinds of medication. Not a problem. If somebody has been doing that a long time, I would say it might be a good idea once a year to stop for a week, see what happens. Stop for two weeks, just to so so that you're not turning your entire mind consciousness and everything over to me or to somebody who's charging you $150 an hour. You don't charge that much, do you? Yep. I might have to come see you then. <laughs> I can I can continue, but if there's questions, yes. Did you? 
still trying to understand the concept of specifically addiction awareness meditation. Okay. And I think in the last talk, um, you said it's not the meditation that's changing. It's just the focus. So the, the practice of meditation that you're talking about here is the same that we do here, Shikantaza, Zazen, just observing. The, the basic sharpening of the awareness is, is very similar, except in, uh, in Zazen, or as a practicing uh, Buddhist or a student of the Buddha's Dharma or the Buddha's truth or awakened truth, uh, it's, it's the same situation as, as far as the practice itself. Now, it's, it will take on different, uh, different levels or forms uh, due to one's uh, uh, conceptualization, that aspect. I don't want to get too much into uh, uh, Buddha Dharma, but form, excuse me. Feeling, perception, formation, uh, which is the thinking process and consciousness. Uh, what comes into the formation of the thinking process or consciousness in terms of concepts are, are the Buddha's teaching. And what would come in there in terms of someone not studying the Buddha's teaching, pardon me, maybe they may, may engage with Buddhism, but they also may engage with, uh, with whatever, maybe they're doing a 12-step uh, a program not Buddhism at all. That's a different approach. Maybe they're a Christian. Maybe there's no religion. Maybe they're, the concepts are working for just the conventional uh, um, uh, conventional concepts of depression and um, and so on. Um, you know, go ahead. So if someone maybe doesn't have a problem with addiction per se, but their difficulty is with anger, could we say that their practice would look more like anger awareness meditation well it could it could be that but uh, chances are pardon me again chances are it would be seeing how they're addicted to the anger they the, the emotion comes up that is triggered by something out here and then then the way you get rid of that feeling is to get angry and the way you to get rid of the anger is to blame so anger is the first uh um, the frustration with it comes first and then the anger or the resentment comes up. And then in order to get rid of that, we, we have to find a cause or we don't, maybe we just stay there and boil. But chances are we're going to find, we're going to start blaming ourselves. I'm a terrible person. I can't control my anger. Or if they wouldn't do that, then I wouldn't have this problem. So blaming someone, is that what you're asking about? Go deeper if you can. And I'll continue to blow my nose. I wonder if I would have blown my nose. I'm probably addicted to blowing my nose. <laughs> but I wonder if I would have blown my nose out in the hallway maybe 15 times before I come in here, then that would help. No, it won't help. Okay, go ahead. Good. <clears throat> Looking for our addictive tendencies actually be covering up what we need to Could see? Could be. So what is helpful about labeling something as an addiction? You need to have something. You need to have something. It's like what's helpful about even using words at all. We have to have some way of talking about it. And as you personally or you or you or anyone else goes into it, it may start to change its shape, but it needs to change its shape, not based on something a therapist or a doctor or even me or even this old man is telling you about it. I'm encouraging you to find out for yourself. You've, heard, you've probably heard of that uh, saying from ancient times, physician, heal thyself. Who said that? Do need doctors in here? So the idea is you need to do it. And obviously, if you if you break it, break your arm, you probably probably aren't going to be able to put a splint on it or heal yourself. You're going to have to get someone to help you with that. But when it comes to the mind itself, 
and the, the functionality of the emotions and the thinking process and the grasping, rejecting and shutting down that you can just see that yourself. The other person, even though they might want to help you save your life, they, they don't have access to that area of their your consciousness. And if they did have access, which in some cases happens in the case of a counselor, psychiatrist or someone, if they're meddling, they don't understand their role and they think it's to fix somebody, then their unexamined distress or addictions uh, leaks over uh, through the um, personality is very porous. And so, uh, and one of the things about that uh, uh, porous quality is it looks solid, but it is not. Uh, it leaks over into other areas. You'll notice that, that if, if you're in a room where and if you have an anger problem uh, at all, say maybe you're not angry, but somebody else gets really angry about something you don't even understand, you can feel your, you can feel yourself start to get angry. You won't, might not do anything about it because you can really keep you keep projecting that it's out there. They're having the anger, but you can feel it. Just like if somebody gets very sad, if you watch a really sad movie, some people are impervious to that. They don't weep or cry or feel sad or anything because they're they've shut down on that, so they don't see it. This doesn't mean that's right or wrong. I'm not going there further. What's the difference between anger and uh, an addiction to anger? Well, the anger is just a raw energy com coming out that wants to kill or wants to stop or end or uh, extreme opposition. And uh, the, the addiction part, uh, which is true in any case, you could use addiction just about any kind of anger, is, is the, that the negative feeling that comes up. Uh, before the anger is not anger, it's ignorance. You're ignoring the open, spacious dimension of your mind. And you think there's something needs to be hammered at because you cannot handle that open dimension. And what what is it that can handle the open dimension? The assumption that you are somebody that needs protection. This is called, uh, simply put, ego. So this is why everything comes back to, as far as this tradition, we're speaking of a spiritual path, but I'm endeavoring to talk about meditation so that it could be used to pe for people to lighten up on themselves. They don't have to necessarily become a Buddhist. But I think it helps because it gives you a strong backbone for, for riding that kind of a antelope uh, into the dark. Without that, you might have to walk. Pardon the images of going into the darkness. Yes. At the beginning of the talk, you said you used the phrase, the foundation of the consciousness that is addicted. Is it the consciousness that is addictive? An aspect of the consciousness in our tradition is called uh, the seventh consciousness or the, the kalatia mind, the conflicted mind. We have eight. We have the first five sense fields, sense consciousnesses rather. Then we have the thinking process, thinking mind, which is just like a, just like a, something that's running the whole program, keeping, keeping the right gear turning in the right direction. At the same time, this is heating up. That's cooling off, making everything work, thinking process. And then the, the seventh consciousness is that part of the paranoid mind that thinks something's up, something's wrong, something could be threatened. We need to protect ourselves. Uh, it's uh, as Trungpa Rinpoche, my Dharma teacher, um, said, it's like a paranoid insurance policy. We, we buy into that so that if anything comes along, we get some kind of defense. And that will show up in the form of blaming somebody. It'll show up in the form of blaming yourself. Either way, this is this is the blaming somebody else's pride, blaming yourself. Is a shame, but both of them are are misunderstandings, and they're misunderstandings based on an identity that hasn't been seen to be unreal. That the the thing that the, a person usually looks for is, well, if it's unreal, I'll notice that it's unreal and I'll stop believing it. 
when uh, in actuality, it might seem more real. It might seem more intense. At the same time, you realize it's like a stage play. It's really just like watching a movie, uh, watch a Stephen King movie or something like that. It's extremely, that grasp, grabs at your emotions in such a way that it can be scary, even though the, you know it's not, not happening. It's, it's unreal. It's a movie or it's a play. But yet we're frightened. Does the addiction have a texture that is different than the emotion? Say more. Just thinking of the example of anger, it seems like it's easy to feel the texture of anger. But is, is there a difference between that, that texture and the addictive aspect? Yeah, I think the, the addictive uh, part doesn't, uh, is in hiding unless there's an issue. This is why we can we can just do something that makes us feel happy. We can we can walk away from a negative situation and go into a situation that makes us. Uh, it could be uh, gambling, could be playing cards, could be uh, could be something that's totally harmless, uh, like you know having a collection uh, three hundred thousand dollars worth of motorcycles. Totally harmless. Is that an addiction? Not not unless that person thinks it is. Some next door neighbor could look over and say and think that what a waste of money. Interesting how we do that to each other. We 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 have our own uh, crib and we peek out through the slats and judge people. You all know what I'm saying. Danny, you have a question. I thought you did last week. I'm too tired to think of questions right now. <laughs> oh, oh, addicted to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I'll catch you next time. Yes. You said it's not about stopping the addiction. It's about seeing it. But should someone stop doing their particular addictive habit to watch it? Well, if you could stop it, it's, you know, if you could stop it, it's not, oh, well, you're not, because you have a bigger hold on you. But yeah, if you can stop it, stop it. But then also the idea with meditation is that as you go along, you'll be more and more aware of the way in which you trick yourself into get there. I call them bad neighborhoods. So you, you, the awareness needs to be, to be very literal, the awareness needs to be so strong that it doesn't miss when you're slowly, when, uh, when you're just leaning in the direction of going towards that, whatever it is, chemical activity. And then, but don't try to stop it too soon. Because if you stop, if you stop it too soon, I don't know why I'm tripping over my own tongue. If you stop it too soon, then the actual, what is actually fueling with that situation is missed. And that goes into hiding and just shows up again in three days, three weeks. So it seems to be very necessary to get close to the edge of that and, so that you can see how it's fundamentally getting its its fuel. And then if, if you do that thoroughly, you don't have to stop it. It stops because it's not getting the, the input from the mind that is constantly grasping at something because that energy that was in grasping and was in rejecting and was in shutting down is where aware awareness when the, when the awareness gets uh, drained off into passion aggression and ignorance into into pushing and pulling and shutting down then that that awareness isn't free to see when that bad neighborhood starts to show up which could be a physical neighborhood it could be a an environment uh, a racial relationship neighborhood it could be a timing situation where you Put yourself in a situation where it's much more difficult to step away from something that's difficult. And, you know, it's difficult or it's uh, different for every person. Uh, every every person uh, 
would have if they had something we, we, that they would agree was an addiction, probably going to be functioning in such a way that they would see as as I would agree with they hey, you have to do it yourself. All the sitting practice of meditation does for you is is help you strengthen the to put it literally the witnessing part of the mind without the thought patterns hooked on and attached the judgments the idea the ideas of the uh, yes the ideas the judgments the concepts the enculturation that makes one thing bad one thing what your mother said what your father said what the culture says the hidden beliefs that you have in your mind start to show up as unreal they're just beliefs they aren't they have they hold no uh, they have no um, credibility fundamentally. They're relatively credible, but it's because of people people's uh, belief and locking down on it, and because a whole culture supports whatever it is. Just like the difficulty people have, people will will not look in a dictionary uh, and find out what the word socialism means. Instead, they just really have, really have opinions about it. So that's what they do. So therefore, all kinds of misinformation is all over the place. Same thing with with the uh, uh, same thing with well, with Buddhism. People have an idea that Buddhists worship golden idols. They don't. They worship uh, cool leaf idols. <laughs> Nothing to worship. A question from Julian in Kalamazoo: Can we replace a bad addiction with a good one? You can. You could. You could. Like if you had a really bad addiction. You could change that over to an addiction to sending me money. Sorry, I couldn't resist. No, seriously, you could you could find uh, something else, but the difficulty with that is still uh, still addictive, and uh, you know that that re replacement thing works for a while and it gives you some relative success, but it doesn't fundamentally help you. And so that may work for a while. And let me characterize it this way: Say you've replaced uh, uh, every time you start to feel like. Um, getting high or shooting up or going bowling or drinking or gambling or whatever it may be any any number of things that that i'm not even mentioning that might be your issue when that occurs uh taking whatever that is and try to find something else even meditation practice could show up that way as i'm gonna i'm just gonna meditate i'm not gonna go anywhere i don't necessarily recommend that i'm not saying you can meditate your way out of something or into something the problem with that is that if it has some relative success, then we start to get addicted to that success. And then we, we want to fuel that and make that stronger. Instead of uh, the awareness being stronger, the item that is arising in the, the alternate thing. Uh, and there's a saying in Buddhism in the 12, uh, or the um, Atisha's uh, uh, mind training, um, don't transfer the cows load to the ox. I think that's it. It's one of them. It means don't shift this over for that. But I would say on top of that, if you do that, just be very aware you're doing that. So you don't get caught uh, that you're using that to, to stop, maybe slow down the chemical part of it, because there's all kinds of layers. There's a chemical thing that's going on, psychological thing, maybe even a spiritual thing that's going on and, and deeper and deeper levels of consciousness that, that science is basically not exploring other than putting a bunch of uh, uh, devices on his uh, his holiness Dalai Lama's monks and train and looking at their brainwaves. So I'm not saying people aren't looking into it a little bit, but the ones who have really looked into it are people who look into it what with the mind, with the mind. They don't need. That's why you have a 2,500 year old tradition like Buddhism, which I'm not here to promote that or market anything. I say you, the only thing I would say is train your mind. 
you can find another way to do it other than sit down, hold still and watch you, how crazy you are. Watch how untrained you are. Instead of avoiding avoiding the chaos in the mind, avoiding the depression, avoiding, 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 going to something else and getting addicted to something to keep away from your existential ox that's rising every morning over your bowl of cornflakes. Let's hope it's not cornflakes. Not good for you. Yes. Can there be clarity about an addiction to a substance as the substance is being used? Well, it could be. I would think it'd be more difficult depending on which substance, substance it was. More about that. It seems like in drug rehabs, you kind of go into a rehab and you're away from that substance in order to try and work with your addiction to it. So does there have to be that kind of a contrast or polarity to using in order to see more deeply the nature of addiction? I think they're going to rehab where you're, where you're, uh, where you're on a hiatus from being able to use anything, it might be necessary to do that. I, I don't know. I wouldn't say that, that you know one size fits all. So some people might be able to do it. I, I think anybody anybody sits down uh, and just holds the body very still. The body, mind are not two separate things. They just look like it. You, you, just because you can do one thing and think about something else, that just is showing you how fantastic consciousness is. It's not some kind of validation that, I can do one thing and think about something else. You're not actually doing that. You're you're just uh, clouding your mind. So I think I think it would show up different for everyone. I think some people really would need to separate themselves, and some people could do work with it right on the spot. Yes. Does the witnessing quality of the mind rely on uh, false belief in the self? Uh, on a false belief in the self, or on a belief in the self? For a while. If it's if it's done enough, eventually what happens is one returns, just a, a literal pictorial way of saying it, one returns to one's original self, even though you're a full-grown adult <coughs> and you're a living being. So we're starting to get in the area of a spiritual path where who you are, is, uh, who your, your actual identity is not the identity that's addicted, and it's not the identity that uh, um, is trying to overcome the addiction. Those are all temporary but they should be seen and not demolished or gotten rid of because they're basically unreal. Goes on. Sometimes with the um, addiction to a substance, let's say alcohol, you suggest distancing yourself, like don't go to the bar or maybe don't hang out with the friends that drink all the time. <laughs> Good idea. So if it's a situation of a thought addiction, how do you distance yourself from thoughts? So in that case, because we're not talking about physical uh, situation, uh, would be to sit down and uh, and watch the thoughts. It's called sitting meditation. Sit down, hold still, watch the thoughts come and go so you can begin to see the fundamental discrepancy that is there. And you have to see it. You have to see it. Somebody, I can tell you about it, and I do all the time. And yet because of our habituation to clinging to somebody, uh, that somebody clings to that, and then uh, we, cl- we cling to somebody, and then the somebody, someone clings to ideas and concepts and ideas and opinions and judgments of ourselves and others, and our whole life is uh, totally missed because we're busy fighting it off. And we might be fighting it off by clouding our minds day after day after day with uh, chemicals. And even though we might know that and see that, it's so 
we're so uh, enamored of that kind of feeling that we, we can't stop it without some kind of help. And that help can show up in different ways. It might be a therapist, might be might be a meditation practice, might be a little bit of each. Yeah. So if we're addicted to alcohol, we haven't had it in a while, if the space between us and the bar is kind of um, uncomfort or there's less tension there, how can we um, appreciate or be supported by the space between the um, object of addiction and our minds? I'm not tracking your question. Maybe you could paraphrase it. It's easier to appreciate the physical distance between something and what you're physically addicted. But when you're working with addiction to thoughts, they're so close. Is there going to be a recognition between the distance? Um, What do you think? I don't know. It feels like it comes up and you're right into it. That's a different kind of space. Psychological space, physical space. You you, uh, apparently have some say-so about it, but that apparent say-so is a big hype. And it's very seductive to think that we can uh, accomplish something. The only the only thing it really does is give you some breathing room. That's like uh, in our tradition, going into retreat gives you some kind of space so you can just be with your own clumsy thoughts. So you can uh, endeavor to stop blaming the world for how you're feeling. Then if um, maybe instead of using the idea of physical distance, use timing. It seems like it's so speedy from the impulse and the grabbing. Yeah. So how can we put a little more space there? Well, I'm kind of biased when it comes to that kind of question. You know, I mean, it might come up different if a particular person were asking this, depending on how I, uh, how they were to give me permission in the first place, how I could perceive where they're at with what the way they're asking the question and so on. But when, when I listen to the way you ask the question, I say, sit more. You're already sitting several hours every day. Is that correct? Sit more. I'm not necessarily going to say that to someone else, but I would say it to you. Would you like to go into a month-long solitary retreat? <laughs> I know you'd like that. <laughs> no, you're not going to get away from this place that easy. <laughs> yes. Follow-up question from Julian. Yes. Can we replace anger with love? I think it. I think it could be replaced with it to use that whole image of replacement. But the concept of anger and the concept of love or the feeling of love and the feeling of anger um, are not that dissimilar. And so, um, and when I say that, I'm not trying to take away your aspiration to be loving, of course, but I think it's really good to look at the anger because that kind of replacement, uh, it might just be more like a masquerade or a mask that allows you to feel better because if love is about you feeling better, then it's probably not love. It's more like uh, some kind of a addiction to something or someone or some feeling. But actual love doesn't want anything. It doesn't want anything else because why? It isn't anything else. It's not a separate thing, a separate being. If you think that, that it is, then to the, the, the degree to you that you think that it is, to, to that degree, you'll have some tension and anxiety about it, about losing the love or about it going away. Yes. He has another one? No, I do. Oh, what's yours? When you give general meditation instruction, you usually say, watch whatever moves. I do. In the case of addiction awareness meditation, would there be an intention to look for the addiction? No. Thank you. That's a good one. So the, the, the basic instruction for anyone is to start, sit down, hold still, keep your body in a symmetrical position. Since the body and mind are not separate, you can't find the mind or you could... 
bring it into some kind of symmetry or balance. But so we take use the body, sit symmetrical, and then wa- by watching what moves, eventually, not right away, eventually those dynamics, those aspects, those qualities of addiction will start to show up. But they won't necessarily show up if we're trying to do it or trying to get it or trying to accomplish it. This is uh, in the words of um, my teacher. This, this is a materialism, spiritual materialism, working with the consciousness to try to get something else more. How do we look at the actual, at what the concept of addiction is pointing to rather than our ideas about our addiction? <clears throat> uh, they'll fall away. If you continue to, uh, if you continue to uh, use a fancy ancient image, if you continue to walk in the fog, eventually you become soaking wet. But you have to go into the fog. You have to go into that environment over and over and over until you're completely drenched in awareness. And there, but there no, you won't get any credentials. You will, there'll be no yardstick. You know, I'm 15 degrees. I've got last week. I made 45 more degrees of awareness. That won't happen because that's the very nature of self-centeredness and, and ego. Even though ego can be highly polished to be very shiny, shiny and very accept, acceptable. In our, I mean, people can look at us and think we're wonderful, we're, we're such kind people, we're this, we're that. But when death comes without warning, we'll find out what where uh, that mind actually was, because that's very difficult for anyone to face the end of this incarnation. And this is somewhat what's happening with addiction. We're trying to cover up our our uh, the, the temporary um, the situation that we find ourselves in as human beings. We we don't want to look at that things can come to an end. It seems to be necessary to do that without particularly being pessimistic, but it's the truth. More. Sometimes you talk about if we we add commentary like "there I go again" or "why is this happening again?" Yes. The againness is is extra. It means we're not looking closely enough at it. So, with an addiction, it seems like a concept about an addiction is that it happens again and again and again. Yes. Is it? Is that repetition part of the addiction? I think it is. We need to watch that. Just observe. And as you observe it, it looks like again, but then you start to notice there's a slight difference each time that no, no to it. We just impute that, well, I'm addicted. There I go again. There I go again. And that actually is a a form of ignorance because the commentary on it is not accurate. And so it's more like a tarpaulin over a a pile of logs. You can't actually count them. You can't see them. We've covered it up. There I go again. So that's so. First, you have the the aggression, possibly of um, or blindness or or uh, um, a passion or grasping of going into the addiction or trying to do that. And then when we see what we're doing, then we start to get embarrassed about it, perhaps. And then we want want to cover it up. So the, we've got the passion of being embarrassed and then we've got the ignorance of just uh, I'm just gonna I'm not gonna think about it might be that literal or it might be turning into another thing it might be um, instead of actually being sincere and curious and inquisitive about what is the nature what is it what is it that is going on with me personally what what is what is fundamentally happening and to, for a person to do that on their own is pretty difficult yes how can there be an addiction when there isn't a continuous identity to be addicted? But we don't see that, that there isn't anyone. We, we, we can continually impute or, or conclude that there must be, if I'm feeling like this, there's somebody feeling that way. 
So we misunderstand the nature of, uh, of the whole situation uh, as thinking there's someone who is being harmed who needs to get away or needs to escape or shut down. This doesn't mean you should be a, 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 um, a martyr and you know bring on the negativity. You don't do anything with it at all. You, you're just aware of it. You're just aware of what's coming and going. If we were to see the discontinuous identity, would would the addiction show up instead of being an addiction? Would it show up as just grasping is happening in that moment, and then maybe the next moment there's a different type of grasping? Uh, probably, yeah. But there's no, but there's no accomplishment there. If the grasping shows up in this moment, we don't we don't grasp the other way and try to push it down. And we also don't validate it and liberate it into some kind of a trajectory that goes into heading for the bar, heading for, you know, Utah, where they have those poison cactuses. We don't we don't do anything about it. Nothing to do. There's anything to do. So then all the emotions, all the feelings that are coming and going that that actually don't belong to a self start to appear. So things could get so uh, you could say worse, but not if you see what this is, if you see what this is. You are, there is, you're fearless. I don't know of another word to say it. You're free and you're fearless. So this doesn't mean you can't be frightened, relatively speaking, but there's no ongoing fear that's running your life or ongoing depression or ongoing anything. Nothing is ongoing. And if it shows up, uh, um, it just finds an empty house. It can't find somebody that'll agree with how that, what that feeling is or take ownership of that feeling. Question from Greg in the UK. Is it possible to have a framework understanding of Dharma, but have no agenda that we refer back to? I don't know. <laughs> a framework, of, I'm going to lean back. Framework understanding of Dharma. Okay. Life of suffering, cause of desire, cause of pain. She was smiling. Okay. I think I got that part. Now, what, what, was, the, what was the last part? And have no, uh, I'm not mocking you. I'm trying to understand. Is it possible to have a framework understanding of Dharma, but have no agenda that we refer back to? Okay. No, not possible. Unless it is. In which case, I changed my mind. I kind of understand what you're saying. And I would say, I would say for you personally, the way, the way you're showing up uh, through your question, and I can't see you, so that makes it a little more challenging. I would say, most important thing for you to do if you consider yourself a student of the Buddha's Dharma, not my student necessarily, but a student of these teachings is to spend a lot of time on the cushion doing nothing but watching what the mind does. Because watching what the mind does, that's where this teaching comes from. People in ancient times, thousands of years ago, including the Buddha, looked at the mind and kept notes. Any further questions? Very good. Thank you. We'll stand and dedicate the merit in the back of our champ books. I'd like to remind everybody about the donation boxes in the hallway. We continue to depend on your support financially. Thank you. Online, in the mail, checks, cash. Also, I'd like to remind everybody about the all day. This is Saturday, February 29th. And in the afternoon, we'll be having a Jukai ceremony. Thank you. to all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way.
The ten directions of three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna Paramita. O Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the ten directions and the three times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Sokokoji Buddhist Temple Monastery. Its buildings, gardens, and all adjoining areas from any and all dark or negative energy. Remove and dissolve any negative energy or devices. Fill everything and everyone with light. Please shield and protect with light our teachers, monks, students, and all practitioners of the Dharma. Our families and friends from negative forces and energy from now on. Help us to realize the truth of the Buddha's teachings.